Hi, this is Justin. John and I recently took a trip to California and were invited by Chris Gordon, who is the host of Abounding Grace Radio and also the pastor of Escondido United Reformed Church, to spend some time together and do some recording. And so the content of this episode is the first part of that lively and enjoyable conversation. We cover the topic of preaching Christ particularly over and against a different kind of preaching that tends to overemphasize application and even self-improvement. We talk about what matters most in a church and finding a church where you can get the goods every Lord's Day. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Stay tuned. If you'd like to help support Theocast, you can do that by leaving us a review on iTunes and subscribing on your favorite podcast app. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Plus, we have a Facebook group if you'd like to join the conversation there. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Theocast, encouraging weary pilgrims to rest in Christ. Conversations about the Christian life from a Reformed pastoral and covenantal and confessional and all kinds of other all that. <laughs> hey, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to clarify we're just trying the gospel. To make this intro even right. more wordy. Clarify the gospel and reclaim the purpose of the kingdom. And that's definitely we're not clarifying what's going to happen. this intro. Amen. Yeah, that's right. Your hosts today are Justin Purdue, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church in the beautiful state of North Carolina, specifically Asheville. And I am John Moffat, pastor of Grace Reformed Church in Spring Hill, Tennessee. And Justin and I uh, recently took a trip to California. And part of that trip we got to, as you already heard in the intro, we got to spend some time with Chris Gordon. And man, was that enjoyable. I mean, we spent mm-hmm. a lot of time just uh, before that we even sat down to record, just getting to know each other. And uh, it, it's so refreshing, as I'm sure, Justin, you can say, that to be around a brother who loves the gospel, who mm-hmm. loves ministry, who's excited about preaching Christ, it is so refreshing just to sit there and just learn and receive and soak in mm-hmm. and we just we got the opportunity to go to his church, hear him preach, take the take the Lord's communion, and so, anyways, it was just a yeah. it was a really good trip. Yeah, we knew of Chris and of Abounding Grace Radio, but we didn't know him personally. Right. And there are good things that do happen on social media in our day. And so, Chris <laughs> saw on social media that John and I were headed out to California for the Westminster Conference and to do some other events and things. And he hit us up and was like, "We should definitely connect while you guys are out here." And we are really glad we did. Like you said. Definitely feel like we have met a, a good friend and just a like-minded brother in Chris. Had a great time hanging out with him at a couple of different points during the trip and really had a blast recording with him. We spent like two hours talking about a number of different topics in his office on a Sunday afternoon. Hmm. We had a lot of laughs, so a lot of brotherhood and fellowship in the gospel. I know those are like really Christian-y words. I apologize for that. <laughs> but uh, man, just a good time. Some I mean, cigars. my soul was encouraged, <laughs> you right. know, and... I felt bolstered in the faith and mm. thankful to have been able to talk about this, this stuff Amen. we talked about with Chris. So Amen. look forward well, to doing more with him down the road, potentially. Yeah, yeah for sure. So. We definitely would love to do some more recordings and Just anyway, so stay tuned. This is, this first episode is, is lively. It's fun. A lot of laughing, a lot of, a lot of gospel. So, uh, and uh, we, we've got some more comments for you at the end of the episode. So we'll, we'll see you guys there. Enjoy. All right. Well, thanks for uh, tuning into the program today. It's always great to have our listeners uh, listen to Abounding Grace Radio. And today we are in studio with um, some dear friends of mine. It uh, hasn't been longtime friends, but it's, now I feel like I've known quickly you guys. Warming, I've been following Chris. you for a while, so that counts. Well, that's true. I've been following you guys, too. It's like yeah. we'd never talked, and I... Uh, 
these guys were coming to the Westminster Conference here in Escondido, and and they put it on Twitter, like you know, we got to tell everyone where we're going. That's what we do, right? Obviously, in today's so, day. So I I reached when you're out. Going to Mecca. I mean, that's right. This <laughs> that's is the right. Mecca of the Reform it's, world. Chris. Escondido <laughs> is the place. That's right. I, I think it means hidden. So you got to find it. <laughs> that's right. In some language, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, I reached out to you guys, mm-hmm. and uh, I said, "Listen, we got to meet. We got to connect." Yeah. And I would love to do a, a program with you. So what this kind of is today, maybe we should introduce ourselves. I'm Chris Gordon, and uh, you are across from me. Justin Perdue. And uh, John Moffat. And, and we, we should, you know, we should do this. John Moffat, pastor of Grace Reform Church in Spring Hill, yeah. Tennessee. Yeah. I'm Chris Gordon, pastor of the Escondido, Escondido United Reformed Church. The Escondido. The, and I am, the, I'm the, Justin the, Perdue, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Two so, Baptists. And, and a reformed guy. A reform reform guy. guy. <laughs> walk, walk into truly a dope reform. study yeah. and have right. a conversation. That's true. We do That's have to true. talk about the study a little later on that we have to talk I, about. I'm good. I'm, and we'll I'm, talk about the 10th commandment. And That's right. Yeah. Like that. I'm, free, I'm free game. Whatever you guys really. So we're, we kind of tried to decide here whose turf we're on. And I was like, we're, this is neutral. We're That's just right. going to like banter back and forth subjects and... You guys will do with it what you do on your excellent and program. For, by the way, excellent program. Oh, I give it props you. and Thanks, say Chris. you guys are just fabulous. I, I think you guys are necessary today in so many. And ways that program to is talk. called Theocast. Yes, <laughs> for anybody. Is that what it's called? Shameless. No, okay. Yes, <laughs> shameless. Program. No, I just I, in case people don't know, it's like uh, it's well, awesome. which program are you referring well, to? Well, yeah. you know, you were just in worship here in Escondido, mm-hmm. and I saw like all my people running up to you. So obviously, uh, you get listened to largely and widely out there. So that's Thanks. great. I mean, you guys are doing, you're doing wonderful classic reform stuff. I and mean, we'll talk maybe about the Baptist stuff a little yeah, later, sure. but, yeah, sure. but I mean, it's great. I, yeah. I'm, I'm really thankful for what you guys are doing and your commitment to it, uh, to, to confessional reform doctrine, uh, yeah, in right. a day where, right. you know, people would say that just doesn't work anymore. Yeah. So. Make confessionalism great again. That's right. Yeah, exactly. So, right. so anyways, um, where do we begin? Where do you want to begin? Well, I mean, we just heard an amazing gospel sermon yeah. where Christ was extolled. So I'd say we start with the preaching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about preaching. Yeah, let's, let's talk about what is that? Yeah. What is preaching? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. it was so um, obviously we had lunch with you guys today and, and another great pastor. And um, it, it, it's it's interesting when you get around men who love Christ and know what preaching is for. Uh, it's refreshing. One of the things that I do at our church, because we have so many evangelicals and just people from broad perspectives that end up coming in, I always ask them this question in membership class, what's the difference between preaching and teaching? Yeah. And yeah. people don't really know. They don't. No. And so <clears throat> sometimes people come into my Sunday morning service or our Sunday morning service and they're expecting teaching because that's what they've kind of been around. Like yeah. really. And we'll talk about evangelicalism later. Yeah. And yeah. But they're expecting a running commentary. Right. Yeah and teaching aids. And so they want outlines and things like that. And I said, no, actually, um, the, the purpose of preaching is to give you Christ and to persuade you that Christ is sufficient from all of Scripture. Yeah. No, amen. I, I might start by saying we're called to preach the law and the gospel. We'll mm-hmm. talk more about the law and the gospel later. But if, in a word, man, yeah, we should seek as preachers of the word to extol the excellencies of Christ amen. and amen. give him his person, his work to the saints. Yeah. And even in application, this is something we could maybe riff on later because I hail from a world where application is king sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Right. And we it, need... it's still my world too. Okay. Yeah. And, and, like, and, we, and we just want application. Right. That, right. And, and there are pastors all over the place that I think in ways that are, are really, uh, man, heavy burdens mm. to bear. 
in sermon preparation are agonizing over application. Right. And we're all for application. Yeah. But the first primary great application of any text is to apply Christ and the gospel to the hearts and minds of the saints. Mm. Right. You know, right. And the applications, you know, they flow, first off, they flow out of the text. That's right. Oftentimes, you know, what we have are our guys coming up and trying to be creative. I mean, I'm sure you guys have talked about this a million times, you know, with the step stuff and yeah. trying to figure sure. out how best to, to reach the people. It's not, I think this is what Paul's talking about when he talks in, in first uh, Timothy about, you know, the, the preaching is done in, in, in Corinthians and the demonstration of the spirit and power. There's no power mm-hmm. in a certain kind of ministry today. And I even think it goes, gets down even to what we were talking about. What is preaching? I mean, it's, is it just a chatty discourse, a chatty talk? of a guy getting up, you know, patting you on the back, strolling around on the stage, trying to make life good for you. Is that, is that really what preaching is? I, I feel like I've said these things, you guys, so mm. many years now. Yeah. I, I mean, I would think, okay, this is all figured out, but it's not, No, you you know, it's just saying. not right. So yeah. it, it comes with like preaching itself is a proclamation, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And it has a an heralding. authority yeah. behind it. We can talk about like how far, People abuse authority. I mean, right. that happens, and we can talk about certain figures. That's you know? right. But there is a sense of, you know, this guy's really bringing me, mm-hmm. bringing me something right. from the text that I need to know and hear, especially about salvation, about Christ, about gospel, about good news, right? right? Exactly. And it's news that is to be received, right? to be trusted, believed, rested in. I think in most evangelical churches, when they show up, they don't believe there's something supernatural happening, that the Spirit is coming and He's using the power of His Word to convict, to console, to cleanse, and to create within us a new heart, to, to bring to us a fresh anew uh, of, his, of His grace and His kindness and His mercy. So when people hear sermons, they're thinking, give me a TED Talk. You know, yeah, yeah. They wouldn't say, entertain me. That's, not, that, that's unspiritual. But give me a nugget. Teach me. Lead me in that direction. As far as like when Justin and I were sitting there this morning as pastors, we don't often get to sit and just be a congregant. Um, you know, we do, but we still have to minister because those are the sheep that yeah, which we care we're for. We're elders in our congregation. But today right. was so refreshing because I sat down going, I am going to be fed. And I saw you stay awake. <laughs> so it was, it was a good thing. We were, we were happy to be here. Yeah. And yeah, we often don't think in these terms either that we are receiving the Lord right. Jesus Christ yeah. in the Word, in the proclamation of the Word. And our faith as we have Christ heralded to us as the, like we heard today, the hope of the new heavens and the new earth Mm -hmm. heralded to us and the comfort of that and the certainty of that because of what Christ has accomplished for us. It's all about what he did. It's not about what we do. When we hear those things, our faith is sustained and confirmed and strengthened. So if I can, 1 John 5, 13. Yeah. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Mm-hmm. John Calvin, in his commentary on 1 John, on this verse, he says, notice, though, how disciples are confirmed in the faith. It is through having the office and the power of Christ explained. That's right. And then he says yeah. that it is, he goes on later in the paragraph to say, that it is therefore the duty of any godly minister to extol as much as possible the grace of Christ. Amen. So that being satisfied in that, we might look to nothing else. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and that, that ties into John 20 when he's commissioning, basically mm-hmm. the mini commission there. It's not really a mini, but it's anticipating 
the sort of great commission. But right. in, in John 20, he speaks of the coming of the Spirit. But then he says, you know, you go out. What is Jesus focusing on and telling the disciples to emphasize? It's the forgiveness of sins. Yes. So, you know, Calvin, Calvin on that verse says something really powerful. He says, um, many things are undoubtedly contained in the gospel. So there are many things we could talk about when we talk about the gospel, but the primary objective, which the ministry of the gospel is intended to achieve is the forgiveness of sins. And then he goes on and says, if we want to be faithful ministers of the gospel, we must give our most earnest attention to this subject. All heathen philosophy talks about how to improve you. Yes. (laughs) And he says, but this is what makes Christian ministry and preaching unique yeah is that the particular goal and aim of the forgiveness of sins and i'm sure you guys have gone through acts i mean it is amazing how focused these guys are Mm -hmm. amidst persecution political problems you know don't preach it they are so intent on staying focused on the ministry of preaching the gospel that's right in in a hostile world that's right. right they're preaching the person and the work of christ for the forgiveness of sins like you just said yeah yeah. Very interesting. They're not really speaking to the social and political situation. And yeah, I'll throw in, an, I'll throw in a, a, a little out of a hot topic. I think we had made this comment earlier today. Or I may have leaned over and said something to you. But when we were talking about the sufficiency of Christ and knowing who Christ is and, and the person work of Christ, when we think about something like the chosen, I've heard so many people tell me, oh, I've just learned and I've been able to engage. And there's just like this personal connection there. What you're telling me is that the scripture is lacking something that you have to get outside of scripture to know who Christ is. Yeah, And that's dangerous. Yeah. We've seen these phenomenons yeah. all throughout. I mean, you know, I think I'm a little bit older than you guys, but I'm at least grayer, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if that means wisdom or not, but <laughs> or, um, today you know, we'll say it is. But, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, just think, you know, m- remember what they did to the passion of Christ. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You know, remember oh, yeah. how that was celebrated as like the greatest evangelistic tool yeah. ever. You know, we stood back and say, well, if that's true, where is it today? That's right. You know, it just didn't, it didn't endure. Where, you know, where's your purpose-driven life today? Where's the pray of, prayer of Jabez today? We have all these gimmicks. We got all this stuff that comes and goes. And we should have learned our lesson by now. So, like, yeah. you know, we've already critiqued this stuff. But the newest thing comes. That's right. But, you know, I was, I was preaching through Hebrews 1, and that's where you guys landed today in Hebrews 11. But when I started, I titled my sermon in Hebrews 1, Jesus Still Speaks Today. How so? It's like when Paul, when Paul was saying, you know, Jesus came and and he preached to you. That's a shocking statement when he's talking about that in the epistles. He's preaching to us through the minister, the ambassador that he sent to make known the gospel to you. Mm, He is still speaking to you. Mm -hmm. The question is, what are you looking for? Right. That's right. Are you are you looking whose voice are you looking to hear? That's right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, well go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was going to say in Second Peter, Peter blatantly says everything that you need to know about God mm-hmm. and about how to live for God has been given to you. There's nothing outside of this that w- that you need. And that's we hear that and we're like, yeah, yeah, that's nice. But we don't really believe that. Um, I'll just say this. The, Peter and Paul are very clear, and even James, they're very clear to say Satan has tactics. And this is going to sound brutal, but I don't care. I'm going to say it anyways. Things like the passion and chosen and the purpose-driven life, um, what makes a good lie mm-hmm. a good lie? 
it's 99% true. Well, there's enough yeah, truth yeah. in it. Absolutely. It's truth mixed with error so it's that it gains traction right. amongst the faithful. That's yeah. right. right. So, yeah. wow, that sounds right. That sounds right. And so he doesn't need you to, to deny God. Right. He doesn't. He just needs you to believe something that's a little bit off. And obviously, I love golf, but if, if, a, if a putt, a 20-foot putt is just a centimeter off, it'll end up 20 feet in the wrong direction. Right. And that's what happens is a lot of times is as, as men who are trying to people, bring people back to the Word— we can sound like we're crazy. Come on, guys, yeah. back off a little bit. Are you kidding me? The Passion of the Christ was this amazing movie. <laughs> it's done. So, it's so good. Mel Gibson's doing a, a follow up. I don't know if you guys know that. Yeah, I just saw that. <laughs> yeah. I just saw no, that. I, I did not. Yes. Know that. Yeah. He's doing we're going to get to do the critique again. Can you believe this? <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, go ahead. Yeah. You know, we used to say in the old in the old tradition, you know, that the, the minister who comes is the Vox Day, yeah. the voice of God. And I know that's been abused, right? I know, you know, we, we've got some... People are like, that's Roman Catholic, but yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, when a man... is, You know, how beautiful are the feet of those right. who are right. sent? Right. You know, not everyone's sent. <laughs> it's yeah. another thing you got to say today. You know, I remember I remember the ministry sign on the church years ago, you know, pastor, and it said, everyone. This is another problem that we yeah. deal with today because what we've done is marginalize what is absolutely happening when the minister stands up there and he proclaims the word of God and, and any sort of reformation throughout history where we ever see a great recovery in the church where there is real spirituality, yeah. real response. It's always been because the pulpit was put back up, not sure. taken down to, for a plexiglass you know, right. or a stage. Yeah. Right. That's, that's always been, I mean, this is Nehemiah 8, right? right. right. And this is, this is what, I mean, today, this is, isn't it crazy? Can you have the famine in the land and have the word of God in your hand? You know, is there a famine of the hearing of the word today? Yeah. You know, it's it's a crazy time we live, but we've got to continue to emphasize this to the next generation. The preaching of the gospel, Calvin used to say so clearly, the preaching of the gospel, where Christ is preached, there is the true church. That's right. Amen. I'm preaching through Romans right now, and Paul's introduction to that letter is pretty epic, the way he begins it. Yeah. Talking about he's been set apart as an apostle for the sake of... God's gospel. And he says it's God's gospel, which he promised beforehand through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son. So the gospel concerns the son who descended from David according to the flesh, who's declared to be the son of God in power, right? Yeah. By the spirit at his resurrection, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And he says, so, you know, he, we preach him, right? To bring about the obedience of faith throughout the nations for the sake of Christ's name. Then he goes on to say how much he longs to be with the Roman Christians, and then right there at the end, before he gets to that thesis statement that we all know so well in 116 and 17, what does he say? He longs to come and preach the gospel. That's them. right. This is something for, I know for us, that we've, this may be a little bit different for you, Chris, in your context, but maybe not. Something we've had to talk about a lot over the years, speaking to evangelicals. I think a lot of people in evangelical churches assume that the gospel must be proclaimed for the sake of the non-believer. Mm -hmm who's in our midst. And for the Christians amongst us, right, we need to get about the business of preaching the Christian life mm -hmm. and how to be more godly, uh, how to maybe in some cases improve ourselves, whatever. Uh, but for us, like, look, no, the saints, week in and week out, need Christ heralded to them. Because we're bombarded by a million things yeah, during the week. The world preaches a different word. The mm -hmm. enemy accuses and preaches a different word. Our conscience, our flesh, all preach a different word. Yeah. Yeah. And we need to come and hear Christ for us on the Lord's day. Yeah. And I know for 
our our podcast, that's been something that we've talked about a lot over the years because, again, the assumption is something else that, oh, yeah, we've got the gospel. Of course, of course, the gospel. Of course, yeah, Jesus. But it, but he's it, kind of a footnote, right? It would, it would assume that, I mean, if, if that were the case, that that was the intention and design of ministry, it would say something like, you know, the gospel is the power of God for conversion. That's exactly. right. <laughs> it's like, right. and then that would be the end of the story. Exactly. That's right. And then we would have to go do it what the evangelicals are doing, just talk application the whole time. Yeah. But, you know, that's not what the calling is. The gospel is the power for the whole of that's the right. Christian life. Right. Well, it's, even in Second Peter, he says, the reason you're not obeying is you forgot the gospel. Okay. I would challenge you. And the reason you're ineffective, right? ineffective. because you have forgotten that you've been cleansed from your former sins. Yeah, I mean, even when Paul says in Ephesians 4, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, he's, that's a reference to the gospel, the first three chapters of Ephesians. Of yeah. I would challenge anybody, uh, the New, Pest, uh, New Testament epistles were written to be read to the congregations, to preach to the right. congregation. I challenge you to read a New Testament epistle where the gospel really isn't either begin or in its before it reaches halfway point, even in the book of James, because some people are like, well, yeah, what about James? James actually <clears throat> references the gospel quite often. I just preached through that book. And so it, it's amazing to me if a man can get up and preach the word, and if it doesn't result in leading them to Christ's sufficiency in the gospel, I don't think you preached a sermon according to the New Testament. I mean, you haven't preached a Christian one. No, it's like sure. sermon, like Spurgeon says, uh, "Go home, preacher, yeah. and come back until you are ready to preach Christ." And so you have something worth, worth saying, right? And I, I'm going to make a little bit of a shift here, but when you think about this, guys. Um, a lot of our listeners on, on both podcasts will hear this and they're like, yeah, but I'm in a Bible church or I'm in a whatever kind of church. And, and there's despair. Like they hear us and they're like, we agree, we agree, we agree. But they're in despair because they, they're not either can't find a church that's like this or they, you know, I, I, I feel this because we get contacted a lot of times that guys, I, I agree with you're saying, but what, what do I do? My pastor doesn't preach like that. Yeah. And it to me, it's disheartening. And I just want to stop for anybody that's hearing this and they're like extremely frustrated. Mm-hmm. I want to be sympathetic to that and say, listen, we understand part of the reason for this podcast is to hopefully spark pastors, yeah. to encourage them yeah. to trust the sufficiency of preaching and the sufficiency of the gospel. If you're new to Theocast, we have a free ebook available for you called Faith versus Faithfulness, A Primer on Rest. And if you've struggled with legalism, a lack of assurance, or simply want to know what it means to live by faith alone, we wrote this little book to provide a simple answer from a Reformed confessional perspective. You can get your free copy at theocast.org slash primer. Yeah, and I think, I mean, you raise a really good point, John. It's, you know, the, the question is, is motivations for why we do what we do. And there are a lot of people who indeed are in situations where, you know, and that, that leads to that important question, which maybe we can circle back around to, yeah. you know, w- when is it the right time to, to move on? You know, yeah. when's the right time to leave your church? When's the wrong time? Those are, those are always important questions. When I did the Ligonier conference, it was amazing how that question, even in the question answer period came up. Right. It's still we, is a big burden. For we get people. it a lot. Right. It's just a big burden. Yeah. But I see the, you know, it's interesting. And maybe this reflects our different traditions. You know, I, I would say I'm probably in the more established reformed tradition what I see frequently, and I see everything in Southern California. I see what you just said. <laughs> it's Southern California, you know. Yeah, yeah, melting pot. <laughs> yeah. Um, where do I start? So, you know, I see that. I see. But but what I also see is another sad phenomenon. It's like mm. what the prophet said years ago. The prophets prophesy lies. The priests rule by their own authority, and my people love it. Mm-hmm. Um, in other words, there are a lot of people who will listen to this podcast. 
and say, amen. <laughs> amen. You guys are right on. Amen. And they'll go back. That's right. To sit under something that is not only harmful for them, but harmful for their children. That's right. And the question is, is why? Because they have a great children's ministry and an amazing band. Sorry. Yeah. And I think that that's exactly right. I mean, there's pressure. Usually um, couples aren't united yeah. on these things. Yeah. And, you know, you got to walk carefully that together. But I also think... There's other issues that have to do with tradition, mm. culture, mm-hmm. family, that as Jesus constantly dealt dealt with, you know, take up your cross and follow. You know, what does that look like in the context of church? It looks like finding a church where you lead your family to the to the waters of life. That's right. And there are situations where we're not willing to do that because yeah. we're afraid of offending family or culture or you know, this is my church building I was baptized in, or this yeah. has always been this way for me. And it's, unco- I mean, we could just go through a That's load right. of issues. I think that is more common than we realize. No, I would agree. You know? Yeah. yeah. And then on top of that, there's, then there's the challenge of the person weeping, mm-hmm. saying, where am I going to go? That's right. Sure. You know? So let's continue the preaching conversation, but I'd love to talk about Christ-centered preaching. Yeah. Or preaching Christ from all of the Bible. Yeah, before you do so, that, I just okay. have one comment I want to jump on that. Please, John. And then jump. One jump of the, all over it. Yeah. One of the if you couldn't feed your family physically, mm-hmm. are you gonna just sit there and, and complain about it? You, you would be worse than an infidel because the Bible calls you to provide for your family. So you're gonna probably end up moving to a nearby city or a, a place that you know you can provide for your family. You can find gainful employment. Why is provide. it different for the spiritual nourishment of your soul? And I would say it's actually more important for you to take a pay cut (laughs) and degrade if you need to, to make sure that the spiritual nourishment of your family is cared for. We, I think it's upon us to train people for that way. I'll just say this. I was a college pastor for 10 years and I had students graduating and I told them, don't take a job unless you know there's a church there. Exactly. And that was one of the things I really tried to help them understand yeah. because it doesn't matter how good the pay is if you don't have yeah. a community yeah. there for your soul. And, you know, I want to get to Justin's. No, I you, no I, we got I'm stay, happy. No, we, we got plenty of time. We got to stay <laughs> on that. I know. You guys. Just, We're kicking just, it for the afternoon, man. Just stay for a while. <laughs> stay in Escondido. Anyways. Yeah, the water's nice, right? Come on um, What was I going to say? You know, but then we've got the other problem of what I see is the flight today. Yeah. Mm to Idaho (laughs) or whatever it might be, you know, and, and on their minds are, you know, the politics are bad. Sure. You know, this, this and that I'm going to go get some space, get some land and, um, and be free, you know, and, and whoa, because clearly Christians have to homestead and, (laughs) you know, so this is just common where we deal with this, especially in California, you know, have people really thought through that question, you know, from both ends of the spectrum, what is most important where I am and where I'm going is, you know, and, and, and we deal with this constantly is, is that great question? Is there a church there that's going to minister? Well, have we even thought about that? Is that first and foremost on people's minds? That's right. You know, and I, while we're on this topic, I agree with John. We understand that when we tell people in your calculus, in terms of where you're going to live in your calculus at the top of that, it needs to be that you have a church that preaches Christ, yeah, right, right. where you're going to receive Christ. We understand that that's difficult for people to hear sometimes, and it's not just that simple for people to pick up and move and things, and, and we're sympathetic. Yeah. And at the same right. time, we stand by what we're saying here, and I think we all can testify to the value of having a local church 
where we do receive Christ in word and sacrament week after week after week. And if you're missing that, it's a big deal. I tell people often, so we are confessional Baptists. We'll get to that later. I tell people a lot. The thing to look for in a church is what is the church's message? And by that, I don't mean the sermon itself, but what is the church's message? What is the message that permeates every aspect of that church? Right. And if that message is Christ, his sufficiency, his person, his work, Christ for you, mm-hmm. and you're going to receive him in word and sacrament, that's a church worth going that's to right. Right. and being a part of. That is the most important thing by miles. So as a confessional Baptist in the city where I am, if our church did not exist, I would be at a, a PCA church or I would be at potentially a, a confessional Lutheran church. Yeah, you're at a PC, yeah. you mean PCA church because there's a good one in town. That's what I'm saying, I, right. because there aren't other Baptistic works in the city right, right. where I'm going to feel like we're going to go here and my wife and my children are going to get the goods every week, yeah. and myself as well. Yeah. But I, this is where the most important thing to me for, for people out there is find a church where you're going to get this yeah, amen. Yeah. Right. Live as sojourners. Right. Yeah. Live as one who's who's traveling through. Right. Uh, so anyways. Right. All right. So let's talk about preaching Jesus, shall we? Mm. From all the Bible. I mean, what's the purpose we're, of church we all, if we're we all doing agree, that? We all agree we should do that, right? <laughs> of course. Okay, yeah, but yeah. We we, we <laughs> let's that? talk about that. What is that? I was just kidding just around. Kidding. <laughs> I'm bantering. I've never found an evangelical Chris, would disagree with Chris, that. Welcome to Theocast. Right. Welcome, welcome to the Welcome band. to Theocast. No, it's a bounding grace radio. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How would I you, thought, how would you I put thought that this together? was neutral, Chris. What happened to it's neutrality? Neutral. It's neutral. It, yeah. Are you kidding? Abounding cast. We've been doing the same stuff. I just I was a little earlier than you, I think. So and true. then I got tired. You beat I us gray. Oh, you, guys are, you guys are young and energetic. Oh, my goodness. You know? You're not that much older than me. I've got a lot of gray hair here. <laughs> <laughs> I think you got me like two years. Like, I got like four on you, I think. I'm 41. I'm 45. Oh, okay, you got four on me. Yeah. <laughs> You're so much wiser. <laughs> okay, all right. I'll, I'll but when kick you, this off. Yes, but when you say, if you were to walk up to any preacher on the planet and you would say, we need to preach Christ, what are they going to say? Of course. Agree. Yeah, but of course. But what does that mean? What does it mean? That's where we're at. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to talk here about preaching Christ from all the Bible. And inevitably, in a minute, I'm assuming we're going to get into the law and the gospel. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And I want so, to give one advertisement here, and I'll say this again. If churches are not preaching Christ the way we're about to talk about it, you have lifeless, powerless churches. Oh, my goodness. Mic drop. All right. I'll go ahead and lead with this. I'd go stronger, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're not a church is what you're going to say, right? Church. They're not gonna, a church at all. I'm going to lead with this, though, because this is at least something that I have experienced from, I don't know, in the past, my background, where I hail from, right? So you get a lot of guys that champion Christ-centered preaching, and what they have been trained to do and what they do is they, they get into the pulpit. First of all, it begins in the study, right? They're, they're serious about their preparation. They're, they're working hard. They're diligent, conscientious. That's all good. And they're mining the text for things, authorial, original authorial intent, all of this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They're concerned with these things. And none of these things are inherently bad. I mean, yeah. don't hear us say you know, that. Don't hear what we're not saying, right? But then what we get in the pulpit often is uh, a lot of good things said about the passage, uh, a number of good things maybe said in the realm of wisdom and prudence. And then somewhere in the sermon, because we want to be gospel-centered, we want to be Christ-centered, we slip in the plan of salvation yeah, or some form of the meta narrative, like plan of salvation being this, maybe like a God-man-Christ response formula, or yeah. we yeah. get the meta narrative, you know, we get creation, fall, redemption, 
consummation or restoration, mm-hmm. however you want to phrase yeah. it. And yeah. we think that we've preached Christ. And respectfully, I would just say, brother, no, you have not yeah. done that. I think for me, I've said this in a number of contexts, we'll say it today and see what you guys think. In sermon preparation for me, the question that I'm going to ask, regardless of which of the 66 books I'm in, is where does this text stand in relation to Christ? Because mm-hmm. a lot of guys ask, how can I preach Christ from this text? Wrong question. Where does this text stand in relation to Jesus? Better question. Because then we're going to be preparing and preaching the entire message through the lens of Christ. That's right. And we've got a chance. Yeah. I, you know, and it's, it's not... F- like hokey and weird. And we're like, you know, it's like the Bible's a Where's Waldo book and Jesus is Waldo. Like, that's that's not how we do this. Yeah, It's like giving a eulogy of a person and talking about something that happened within their life, but never actually connecting it to the purpose of that person's life. Yeah, You know, it's kind of like, we're here to talk about this person. And you talked about this Dodgers game and what the score was and who hit the home run, but why was that relevant to this person's eulogy? Yeah, I mean, that's similar to what happened. You know, we saw churches canceling. Church landed on Christmas on on Sunday. Mm Right, that's our day of worship. Right, that's right. It's the Lord's. They're day. canceling. It's like missing yeah. the birthday party. <laughs> like what in the world? We're, you know, we're going to um, celebrate Christ yeah, by um, not celebrating. By not Christ. celebrating Christ. So you know, yeah. it shows the hypocrisy. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I know this seems so basic, and maybe I've just gone over it. You know, and, and maybe I should say up front, in light of what you guys are saying, I think there might be a reaction against a sort of stereotypical or a straw man, maybe even straw man presentation of Christ man, of Christ centered preaching, but it may uh, not even be straw man. It may be that this is what some have done agreed. and have done great damage agreed. to it by saying, you know, they preach the law and then at the end of the sermon, but you can't do it. Jesus did it all. It's first you know, use of the law it, only. Yeah. And, and I think it's just something that, to be aware of up front. I've had to deal with this with training of, of seminary students. They want so so desperately to preach Christ, and then you get this sort of artificial hmm. formula yeah. right, that comes out. And this artificial formula triggers people. And then you get, you know, pastors who are more of the legal persuasion who, you know, will get beat up on this point, and then they think that's what Christ-centered preaching is. Yeah. And so they respond, they react. And we're saying, no, 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 <laughs> right. right? We, we, we're going to go back to Luke 24 for a minute. And that's what I was saying earlier. Yeah. Like Luke 24 is the passage, mm-hmm. you know, but it's interesting in Luke 24. What I don't think people recognize is that when Jesus came up to those guys on the road to Emmaus, it says their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Mm-hmm. Supernaturally. Yeah. Well, yeah. And part of that may have been supernatural. I've always debated on that. Whether like it's every that, year yeah. I've gone back and forth. Like, I think I take a different position every year. Is it supernatural or actually was it because they thought he was going to redeem Israel? Mm-hmm. They had a wrong conception of what Christ was actually going to do and accomplish. And therefore it's kind of jointly, they, their own hearts and eyes were blinded. Because they should have, she should have known this. You could but, still call that supernatural, just not the direction we want it to be. Yeah, exactly. The blinding exactly. of Satan. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. But it's interesting, you know, when you ask the passage, when you ask of the passage, how did, the, it seems to me the problem in that passage is, how were eyes opened? Mm-hmm. 
seems to me that's the fundamental question of Luke 24. How were eyes open? Say more, brother. Say more. We're here for it. (laughs) Say more. Well, and then, and so, you know, they're wrestling through this and he comes along. He's the great teacher. You know, Mm -hmm. what things? And I just love that question. What things? Yeah, what things? And I know it's like, what do you, what do you, what do you mean? Were were you, did you not see all this? You know, and they, they work through their problem. And then, you know, here comes this just great passage, right? Oh, foolish ones, Mm -hmm. slow of heart to understand all the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered, right? Um, And to enter into his glory and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures. He preached, he proclaimed, he interpreted, he wrestled through the scriptures. I don't know where he went to, probably Joseph. But anyway, all the things concerning himself. But if you follow this passage. Oh, yeah. How does he open their eyes? Mm. It's a big point of this passage. He goes down and he does two things here. Oh, yeah. Um, when you go down to verse um, um, 26, so they drew near the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going to go further. Right. But they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it's toward evening. The day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he's at the table, he took bread mm-hmm. and blessed mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And broke it. Oh, that's a kind of a that's interesting. formula. That's very interesting. We know that formula, and he gave it to very them. Very interesting. Then their eyes were open. Bam. Yeah. Wow. So he preached the cross from right. all scripture and he the, the institution of the supper. It, it's yep. emphasizing the formula there. Exactly. Boom. Boom. Yeah, exactly. And then I mean boom, bro. I their eyes are open. <laughs> I re- and then he does it again. Yeah, I, I yeah. know. It, our elders had this conversation several years ago from this text. The exact same thing that you just pointed out. How were these guys' eyes opened? And it is. It's through him opening. And we're gonna, I'm going to go to verse 32 in just a second. But, yeah, the proclamation of, of himself, his work, and then the table. Yeah. It's word it's and table. Right? In verse 32, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Right. How did he do that? Yeah. How did he open to them the scriptures? He opened the scriptures by teaching them from all of the scripture about himself. Right. Mm. Like, and then later on, we obviously get the, the words too, that he says in verse 44 to his disciples, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Mm. And that's, then that's, follow, that's follow all the, of it. And then follow the next then, verse. Then, then he, he opened, opened their mind, <laughs> their understanding. So it's to eyes understand and the scriptures. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yes. And this and has again, to happen every preaching week. preaching himself. Yeah. That's right. I've heard multiple Amen, bro. multiple right. pastors or commentators, and I've said this myself. I wish we would have known what Jesus said there. And <laughs> as you guys are talking here, and I'm being re- I'm do. being reviewed. We do. Yeah, but I'm going to review all of us right now. If we really believe our theology, yeah. and we really believe what Scripture teaches us, Luke's saying, you already know what he said. Yeah. Right. Because all of Scripture is about Christ. Yeah. So it looks like I don't have yes. to tell you, you already know. And many, as I'm sitting here, I was just, this kind of dawned on me, like, why Luke left it out. It's kind of one of those moments where it's like, come on, guys. Yeah. This, this is, because Jesus rebukes them and like, you should have known this. Right. Yeah. Uh, I love how it even now John says is that you search the scriptures right. because you in yeah, them, John you think, and Jesus says they're of me. Right. right. You think in them, you find eternal life. That's right. They that bear witness about me. And so to every preacher out there, I just want to say there's, I, I don't want to be crude here, but there's kind of like this duh moment of like, Hey guys, yeah. mm. If you're not preaching the gospel from all of scripture and that the good news is of me mm-hmm. from Genesis on, then it's wrong. Well, hey, you if you believed 
Moses, you'd believe me. The prophets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Moses right. wrote of, of me. me. Well, I hope that was enjoyable for you. We we enjoyed it. It was a long conversation, and we had to cut it up into multiple episodes, which you know was worth it. And uh, for those of you who might be listening for the first time, we do a second minute, uh, second podcast called Simper Reformanda, where uh, this is for people who have partnered monthly to support us, and they're excited about seeing the gospel go out with all kinds of the types of media that we do through video, audio, books, uh, articles, things like that. So we do a second uh, podcast, and we also have an app where we interact with everybody. That podcast is called Simper Reformanda. So we're going to talk a little bit more about our trip and some special events and stuff that are coming up. And so if you would like to learn more about joining uh, that particular ministry, you can go to theocast.org. All right, Justin, um, look forward to seeing you guys next week.